0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for building happier habits into your daily life. This week we'll talk about why you should have an uncomfortable conversation, and we're gonna have an interview with terrific scientist and writer, the Harvard physics professor, Lisa Randall. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, the sage, even though she is not a physics professor, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth
0: Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA. And Gretchen, I am excited to see that you released the new jacket for your Better Than Before paperback.
1: Yes, yes. If everybody wants to see it, check out our site. And uh, you can see what the paperback cover looks like. I'm really excited. Um, And speaking of going to the site to look up something that we've mentioned, um, Elizabeth, you sort of predicted that there might be problems with my new snappy way of helping people find uh, the show notes and back episodes. And indeed, I have experienced what I would call a backslash backlash. (laughs) When I was introducing our way of referring to the episodes, I misused the term backslash. It is just a slash oh,
0: so <laughs> that will clear up everything I'm sure
1: <laughs> yes all your problems are solved. I was so preoccupied with the happier cast part of it I yeah anyway so if you want to look up the you know Lisa Randall's book or you want to see the paperback jacket go to happiercast slash 34 and there you'll find any information <laughs> related yeah. to this episode <laughs> All right. Slash. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Meanwhile, Gretz, another thing we wanted to discuss before we get into try this at home is listener responses to Eliza's uh, requests for advice. Because as we said, we've been getting tons and they're so great. Yes. Um, we listened to some voicemails uh, the other week and now we want to just read a few emails. There have been so many great ones. We just have time to read a few here. One is from Jessica, who says, I would love to tell Eliza to focus on keeping her close girlfriends. It is very easy to get caught up with boys and neglect your girlfriends, but they turn out to be the
1: people you enjoy and love the most. Um, This is from Carrie. Serve. This I know for sure. If you are having a bad day or feel lost, help someone. If you feel groundless and unsure, serve others. Go serve others and you will be deeply connected with what matters most relationships and love.
0: And here's one from Deirdre. She says, don't try to predict the future. Humans are notoriously bad at it anyway. Make your choices based on who you are today with an outlook that knows you will change. That much is predictable. She says, I often felt frozen in my teens, thinking I had to know then what I wanted to do for a living, where I wanted to live, et cetera. I wish I had known that while planning was worthwhile because of what it forced me to learn about myself, my plans rarely resembled the reality that arrived.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of something Eisenhower had said. He said, planning is essential, but plans are useless. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Here's from Nancy. What I would tell Eliza, what I would tell my teenage self, and what I often told my students is this. I promise you will never look back and say, whew, I'm glad I never did anything hard. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's great. And one last one from Annabelle. She says, I try to remind myself, always be polite. I don't always manage it, but I try because the fact is that I've never regretted being polite, even to someone who is rude to me. But I've often regretted and felt ashamed of myself for being rude to someone. I don't mean you have to be a pushover. One can have charming manners and also be assertive. I mean,
1: so great. And again, if you want to go back and listen to the episode where Eliza asked for the advice, that's happiercast.com slash 30. Okay, now it's time for Try This at Home. And this Try This at Home is perhaps a little unexpected. It's to have an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, This is something I wrote about in Happier at Home in the chapter on family.
0: Yeah, and Gretch, when you say uncomfortable conversation, you're referring to talking about writing a will or advanced directives for health care, also known as living will, health care proxy, financial power of attorney, donating organs, how much money there is for college, All of which is so important to talk about. And you had our family do this when we were home for mom's birthday weekend one year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, for happier, when I was writing Happier at Home, that was one of the things that I realized would make me happier Um, because it's one of these weird paradoxes of happiness. Happiness doesn't always make you feel happy. Um, So it was an uncomfortable conversation. Um, I felt, you know, tentative about bringing it up, but we did, we did have that uncomfortable conversation because we were all home, which doesn't happen all that frequently. Yeah. We all gathered in mom and
0: dad's bedroom for some reason where we never sit. I think it's the only time I've ever sat in that room, um, aside from when I was getting ready for my wedding or something. And we talked about um, all these various issues. Luckily, we didn't have to talk about college savings. We were past that way wait, wait past that <laughs> Um and it was really a good conversation. I think we all felt good that we had that conversation.
1: You know, and one of the things that made it easier for us, I think, that than for a lot of people going through it, I ha- you know, I think we, we have to say, and maybe we should give ourselves a family gold star, is that everybody was really game for it. I mean, clearly everybody knew it was an uncomfortable conversation to have, but everybody really went into it in the spirit of, this is really going to make us all feel better. Like, let's just sit down, take our time, be constructive, listen to each other and really explore these issues everybody everybody came into it with the right spirit i think
0: yeah. And I also think it was an easier conversation to have because mom and dad are in great shape. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, this shape. Is, all these things are in our very far down the road. It's not these hopefully are not anything that's going to happen imminently.
1: So I think it's good to have these uncomfortable conversations sooner rather than later. Right. When it still feels very far in the future and kind of theoretical instead of feeling like it's right there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I'm obsessed with the, 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 the issue of organ donation. And one of the things about these kind of uncomfortable conversations that's clear is that when pe- part of what creates all the shock and anxiety when, when something happens to somebody is that you if a person doesn't know what they wanted, right. then they feel torn. They feel anguished because they're like, well, I don't know. But when you have these decisions made... When you know, oh, yes, this person wanted to donate their organs. Oh, yes, this person d- did, want, did intend to have a DNR, even if they haven't done it yet. Then you know what they would have wanted, and that gives you comfort. A friend of mine said her, her father, she said the hospital and the doctor said they had never seen paperwork like what her father submitted. Like extensive, extensive really? um, instructions about exactly what he wanted. And she said it was so marvelous because they just had such peace of mind because they were like, we're just doing what he wants. We know what he wants. He could not have been clearer. Okay,
0: you know a friend of mine. um, Her grandfather wrote his own eulogy. Now that's organization,
1: (laughs) and wow, that's a level of people control. (laughs) Say I'm a control freak. Um, That's a whole new. That's a whole new frontier. (laughs) Luckily, he was a very good writer. (laughs) I hope he was a good person too. Oh my gosh. Um, Well, I thought I was very struck because my mother in law gave all of us copies of uh, Atul Gawande's book, "Being Mortal." which was all about, um, It's the subtitle is medicine and what matters in the end. It's all about having quality of life at the end of life. And I thought that was an interesting thing or an interesting present to give. It was like an opening gambit in, a, in, a, in having a difficult conversation.
0: Yeah. Sometimes if you want to get into it, but you don't know how to just launch into a discussion, you could take an article or something that happened on TV and say, hey, that made me think, what would we all want to happen? And because it is, tr- I mean, it is tricky. It's, it's, it, it just doesn't naturally come up. But then when it's done, you feel so relieved. It's like going to the dentist.
1: Yes. And then when you re- read all those articles about how important it is to have these conversations, you can pat yourself on the back because you've yeah, already done this it. Is,
0: this is reminding me Adam and I don't even have a will. Can you believe that? So, something to do. And uh, something to In do. In all your free time. Yeah. That's, so that, that's, that's another try this at home, make a will. <laughs> Anyway, guys, well, this conversation is, is pretty weighty, so we th- um, thought it would be fun to have a little clip of a funnier, uncomfortable conversation that's not about
1: death. Yep. And this is from the television show Friends. Monica and Chandler are talking to her parents about their upcoming wedding. <laughs> anyway, well, we're really excited about our wedding plans, and well, I guess pretty soon we'll be making a big withdrawal from the Monica Wedding Fund. <laughs> <laughs> What? You tell her, Jack, I can't do it. What happened? You still have the Monica wedding fund, don't you? We have it. Only now we call it the beach house. Let us know if you do try this at home and whether having an uncomfortable conversation worked out for you. You know, was it harder? Was it it difficult? Do you feel happier now that it's done? Twitter, Facebook, email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash... 34. Now
0: we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. When we come back, we'll talk to Lisa Randall. Fun facts about Lisa. She wrote a libretto for an opera and was named one of Time's 100 Most Influential People in
1: 2007. That's not intimidating. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business
0: linkedin knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire linkedin is constantly finding ways to make the process easier post your job for free at linkedin.com slash gretchen that's linkedin.com
1: slash gretchen to post your job for free terms
0: and conditions
1: apply Lisa Randall studies theoretical particle physics and cosmology at Harvard, and her research focuses on the properties of matter, the universe, and space. Right now, she's focused on dark matter. I mean, holy cow, that is a subject. She's won many awards, honorary degrees, Um, we we can't even begin to list. As if
0: that's not enough, she's written several best-selling books. And her new book, Dark Matter and the Dinosaurs, is just about to hit the shelves. It's already won starred reviews and lots of buzz. And Gretch, I know nothing about Dark Matter, but I do know something about dinosaurs, having a five-year-old son.
1: (laughs) Hello, Professor Lisa Randall. Thank you so much for joining me here in the studio in New York City. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, Professor Randall, dark matter and dinosaurs, I have to ask, first of all, what is dark matter? And then what does it have to do with dinosaurs? I am completely in the dark, so
2: just go. Those are both excellent questions, and uh, I try to address them right up front. The book is about many things, but this is based on my research. So, first of all, what is dark matter? It's just matter, which is to say it's stuff, it clumps, it's in the galaxy, it's in our world, and it acts just like the matter we know. But it doesn't interact with light. It's not made up of the stuff that the matter we're familiar with is made up of. It's not made up of atoms, for example. So it's stuff. It really is material. But it just does not interact with electromagnetism. It doesn't experience light. If light hits dark matter, it passes right through it. If dark matter hits us, it, which it does. Actually, a billion dark matter particles are going through us every second. But we just don't see them. Here's where the speculative part comes in. It's ba- and um, So just to be clear, this is based on an idea that I worked on with my collaborator, Matt Rees. And we don't know for sure that it's right, but our theory, and it is just a theory, but it is testable in some senses, is that there's a different kind of dark matter, some small fraction of the dark matter. So however it got there, imagine that there's a dense disk of dark matter in the midplane of the Milky Way. Now, so what you need to know about the solar system is that it orbits around the galaxy. And as it orbits around the galaxy, it bobs slightly up and down through the plane of the galaxy. So what would happen would be at about what we propose as around 30 million year intervals, the solar system will pass through this plane and the tidal force, the extra gravity associated with the dark matter can actually dislodge weakly bound comets that oh. are in the distant oh. cloud. Yeah. So this and explains the times, mystery of why we exa- saw a comet hitting Exactly. So the idea would be there. this would happen, roughly speaking, every 30, 35 million years there would be a comet strike. And the one that we know about was 66 million years ago when we passed through about two million years ago. So
1: if it was a 32
2: million year period, oh. I could explain it.
0: Right. Yeah, I feel smarter just having this
2: conversation, <laughs> yeah. much less reading the
1: book. And I'm very glad that it's a 35 million year interval because it doesn't sound like something no. that you <laughs> want to be around to, uh, to witness when it happens. It's not so, our so. most immediate concern. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, now, to switch gears slightly um, just about the idea of writing a book, so I wrote my book about uh, Better Than Before about habits, and I'm fascinated by mm-hmm. people's habits. How, how do they make themselves productive and happy and creative and healthy? Now you teach undergraduates and graduates at Harvard um, theoretical particle physics and cosmology. And you do your own demanding research. And so how did you carve out time in your day to work on a book like this, you know, which is for a lay audience? It's a very different kind of communication and work than you're doing sort of in that, that other side of your career. Um, how, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you balance that? How do you add that whole extra responsibility into your day?
2: So I guess the first answer is it's impossible to
1: really balance it. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I hate the word balance because it (laughs) suggests you could do everything if you just get a balance right now. Yeah. You've got to cram it in. How do you cram it in? Um,
2: Basically, that is what I'm doing. I'm cramming it in. That's actually, you know, I can can basically write anywhere when I'm really interested. Ah. I can edit and I can do it. I mean, I take the train between Boston and New York. I could. It's a four-hour interval where I could just be totally productive. Nothing's bothering me. Uh, um, so you have I can, a lot of focus. I mean, the great irony is that I am procrastinating when I'm writing. Sometimes I have something <laughs> even more annoying to do. Um yes, So, yes. so you know, one of the things I had to do, and you, I, as a ha- as a person interested in habit, what what I finished was go through all the mail and all the right. other things that I put aside that I right. just didn't want to do. But also, I mean, you know, it's usually in many ways, obviously, it's too much of a demand on your time to have to do to be trying to do research and writing at the same time. But it does make you value your time more. And so, Mm. you know, if I want a break from writing, I can go into the office and talk to people about the research I'm doing. So a lot of the time, I'll just um, stay home in the morning, just when I'm really focused and try to really get as much done on the book as I can and maybe take a break. But sometimes, you know, definitely towards the end of writing the book this in the summer, I really just focused because there was just a lot of editing to be done
1: okay so the four tendencies quiz We're we've been talking about the four tendencies um which is this framework for understanding human nature and you took the quiz can i just say when yeah. when, when i saw my answer i was like why did i bother taking the right. quiz <laughs> i <It> was like <laughs> well, that, there wasn't really any doubt where i'd end up i have to say know? i wasn't shocked um so <laughs> you were a rebel yes which means you resist outer and inner expectations uh and um you want to do your own thing did it did it it just confirmed what you thought about yourself?
2: Well, it's funny because I think I'm a very bizarre kind of rebel. Because uh, if you look at my career, it's yes. very, you know, it's in some ways it's very standard yeah. I mean, for being a physicist at least. There are a lot you of know, hoops you have to jump jump there are through. Hoops, but, you know, yeah. so in some ways it, it might just be a mind game because, you know, I think I'm rebelling. But I'm actually doing exactly, you know, you asked me earlier, like, how I write. Uh, you know, it's not like I say, I, I'm not like that disciplined in the sense I don't say you have to do this. It's yeah. just what I want to do. And so... I think there's always this way I have of sort of tricking myself into doing things. So so it's somewhat rebellious. But in terms of, like, actually being a rebel, I don't think I've actually done—I mean, I've done things that are maybe surprising for a woman, but I don't think I've done things that are necessarily as surprising as all that.
1: Well, the thing about a rebel is a rebel can do whatever he or she wants to do. So uh. if they want to get a PhD in theoretical particle physics, right. then they can. Um, but if somebody says, like, hey, go unload the dishwasher, they're going to be like, no, you can't make me. You know, like, what they want to do what they want to do. They don't want someone else to impose expectations on them. So it really does sound like the way that you you approach things by thinking about what you want, what your choices are, what you feel like doing to get where you want to go. Well,
2: one of the interesting things in your questions, though, I think... I don't necessarily mind someone posing expectations as long as I understand why ah, that's okay there. okay, so i so I did appreciate that. if someone yeah. can explain to me, you know it's your turn to unload the dishes I've done it you know mm-hmm. the last three times, I don't have a problem with that okay
1: yeah, <laughs> interesting. So do you have a try this at home? We ask everybody uh, who comes on the show if they have a try this at home that they want to propose.
2: Um, so my odd try this at home was uh, don't set an alarm. Um, try oh. to arrange your life so that you get enough sleep and wake up when you're ready to do things. So if you really um, don't like doing things early in the morning, try not to schedule things early in the morning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. And do you have trouble getting yourself to go to sleep on time so that you wake up There's, refreshed? Um, Again, there's no such thing as on time. It's like when I want to go to sleep. So, um, <laughs> so <and>, rebel <rubble. laughs> and maybe. But you know, so it's kind of like um, you know, after college, I you know had gained weight like other people, and I found the best way to keep my weight standard was to throw like not to weigh myself all the time. You know, just to ah. do what feels right. And uh-huh. um, you know, maybe that's a kind of discipline. But I think if you're thinking about these things, like. When I set my alarm, I'm almost always afraid that I have to wake up early, and it makes it harder for me to go to sleep. So oh. I try to do things in ways that are comfortable. doesn't always work, but that's what I try to do. I set an alarm when I have to. Obviously, there are times you have to make a plane. You know, right. There are times I have to, but to the extent that I can, I like to... Ch- and it's not that I wake up that late. And especially when I was writing, I was surprised I would wake up early. It's not that I, I have this, like, lackadaisical thing where yeah. I'm sleeping until the afternoon. It's just that I'd like to get enough sleep and feel... And I find it, you know, if the kind of stuff I do, I really have to focus, whether it's writing or doing physics, and I need to be able to think. Yeah. And if I'm tired, it's hard.
1: But do you have trouble, you don't have trouble turning out the light the night before so that you will have enough sleep?
2: Um, I do have trouble sleeping sometimes, and I don't necessarily have an answer for it. But I do try to relax and think about other things so that I can get to sleep. And how many hours a night do you like to sleep? I'm just curious. I do like at least seven, but, I, yeah. you know, lately I can't promise you that I've always had that, but I, I do find it better when I've had enough sleep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. Again, uh, the book by Professor Lisa Randall is Dark Matter and the Dinosaurs. And even people who are not so uh, immersed in the subject will find it to be a very engaging, vivid uh, explanation of these very big subjects, which are so fascinating. So thank you so much for coming by. And thank
2: you. And thank you for your smart take on the way people approach the world. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much.
1: Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com happier. That's storyworth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase.
0: Okay, time for demerit. Gretchen, you're up.
1: Okay, well, my demerit is Barnaby related, my new uh, my new cockapoo puppy. Um, and there's this thing, and I guess it's called like a slow zone, which is where they develop an antipathy to a certain area when you're walking them. And, and Barnaby definitely has this certain area, which is right on our way to school. And um, I have talked to Barnaby in a mean voice. And I'm sure that I am like communicating frustration through the leash and all this stuff. And um, it reminds me so much of having like a toddler because Mm. you know that whatever you put out there is just going to amplify the problem. And the more you can respond with calm and, you know, understanding their point of view And we've been working with a trainer who gave me a lot of good tips. So I think part of it is I feel better when I know what to do. Like, oh, if he sits down and actually lies down on the pavement with with his head down, like, what do I do? If I have like three things to try, then I feel much better. And so my frustration drops. So that's good. But I definitely feel like... I did lose patience. Mean mom. I, yes, I did, and also, you know, I'm walking Eleanor to school, and so then she she definitely responds to that too, and then yeah. she makes it worse because she hates being late for school. And of course, I've left like a gigantic margin of time, and I keep saying to her, "We have plenty of time." I I bargain, you know, I I anticipated that we would have trouble with Barnaby, so we have plenty of time. But so it, it's just like it's not a great great way for her to start the day, um, and it's not a great way for Barnaby to start the day or for me to start the day. But now I have my new plans and my new strategies. And um, so I'm hopeful that, um, that I will be able to be the like the walker of Barnaby that I, that I strive to be. So that's my demerit.
0: Can I just ask, what do you do And he, what is the strategy? I'm so curious.
1: Uh, well, so one of them is, uh, like I have these squeakers, and so I squeak it in my pocket and that alerts his prey instinct, apparently. And so he'll kind of like get up and look around. So sometimes that works really well. Part of it is, like, they, they were saying, make that part interesting. Like, don't give treat. I was giving treats when he was doing what I wanted him to do. And the trainer said, no, now don't give him a treat, like, when he's heading home. Give them to him in that boring part so that he doesn't associate it with, like, oh, this is the bad, boring part where, like, I get tugged at and Gretchen's mean to me. <laughs> wow. Um And then, and make it fun, like lively, like ask him to touch and and talk in a spirited voice. Um, And then sometimes also he pointed out, you know, New York City is overwhelming. Um, I realize that now so much more. I'd sort of forgotten how overwhelming it can be. He said sometimes he just needs to stop and kind of like catch his breath and look around and he said, "Because you know, like maybe a siren's gone by and you're not even conscious of it, but for him it's overwhelming. Or there's like a dog walker with six dogs down the block and that's got him like on alert and he feels like he needs to just sit there and case the situation. So occasionally if you feel like that's happening, just be willing to to let him stop and take a breath. I mean, the thing about, this is what I think, children, adults, pets, it's all the same. Like use your good judgment, try to see things from other people's perspectives and be patient and tolerant. Like if, if, I mean, it's, but it's easier said than done. But anyway, so there are a lot of things you can do. Interesting. Yeah. Um, now, all yeah, right. lift us up, lift us up.
0: Okay, well, my gold star this week, Gretchen, is going to hard-boiled eggs. What a
1: transcendent I, uplifting yeah, <laughs>
0: Oh, raise us yes. to the stars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but you know what? I You know, of course, we talk about on the show all the time I'm diabetic. Yeah, type 1. Uh, type 1 diabetic. Um, and it's all about trying to stay low carb to keep the blood sugar levels down. And I had been eating every morning at work for breakfast, um, a bar, you know, like a a protein bar, supposedly a protein bar. The truth is they all have a lot of carbs, even if they say they don't. Um, And so my blood sugar was getting, you know, high in the morning because Mm. of that. Mm. So I've switched to hard boiled eggs. And what I'm doing is, although I know it's not cost effective and it's not the best for the environment, they sell in the store little packs of two hard-boiled eggs that are already peeled. Oh. And I get those and then it's just, I can leave them in the fridge at work and then they're there and they're easy. And I've switched to those and my blood sugar has been much better now in the morning because oh. eggs have... Basically zero carbs, I think. Um, So anyway, so I it's been a relief to me to have a healthier morning uh, breakfast and then a healthier morning because of that. So
1: wait, so can I ask a question about that? Yeah. Sometimes hard-boiled eggs have a smell that you can feel, kind of like. Do you worry about the smell of it, like in an office situation? Yes,
0: I come in and I eat them in my office before. People get to work, uh-huh. so I don't take them into the room and eat them in the room.
1: The room is b- the writer's room where the everybody's sitting, room. right? Because you feel like right. that's a little—it's—it's it's too much to eat a hard-boiled egg. It's one of those foods where you eat it in private. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so pizza you um, can eat in front of anybody. Yeah. Hard-boiled eggs, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, that's so great. Well, well done. And you found a way to make it convenient, the strategy of convenience in terms of habit change. Taking your advice, yeah. And also now you were feeling bad about something and now you feel good. And and eggs are so filling. That's what I love about eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Great. Well done.
0: Gold star. Gold star to hard-boiled eggs.
1: (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Have a difficult conversation. Let us know if you tried it and how it worked out for you.
0: Thank you to our producer, Henry Malofsky. Also, thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I am at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at gretchenrubin.com. And of course, big special thanks to Lisa Randall, our amazing guest.
1: Yes, yes. And if you want to look up anything related to this episode or a previous episode, uh, like Lisa's book, go to happiercast.com slash 34, or whatever episode you want, this is 34. Um, And we have a new bonus feature. If you've been thinking, hey, Gretchen and Elizabeth, I love your podcast, but I keep forgetting to check to see when a new episode goes live, well, don't worry. Now you can sign up to get an email whenever we release a new episode, you'll get an alert Go to happiercast.com slash join, enter your email, and then you'll get an email update each week.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft, and I've got one more piece of advice for Eliza from Catherine, who says to always wear sunscreen.
1: And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. Be careful whose advice you buy, but be patient with those who supply it. Vice
0: is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing the past from the disposal, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts, and recycling it for more than it's worth. But trust
1: me, on the sunscreen.